You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back here on Inside black and gold i'm jeff nowak he is steve geller you know one of the reasons i wanted to plug all the clint kubiak stuff at the back end of the pod was that oh maybe we're gonna get an announcement from the saints about oh these moves are made official uh before we end the podcast so we don't have to be like well come back next time for the the accurate version of this has all been done uh it doesn't seem like we have so uh if you're listening to this and (laughs) you're like well why aren't they talking about this if it's already been announced that's why no, the only thing I've seen so far is plenty of the Kansas City Chiefs celebration, and it just makes me sad because of how long it's been for the black and gold, obviously. Yeah. Well, it is funny because it's like everyone wants to be Super Bowl or bust, right? But <laughs> They're spoiled now, right? It can't always be that. And I've always felt like the most fun part of it for this for the teams that aren't the dynasty, which, you know, is the 0.001% of NFL fan bases, right? Like, yeah, great. You got you got Tom Brady, you got Pat Mahomes. That can't be your plan. It's the Patriots didn't plan on getting Tom Brady. The Patriots lucked into Tom Brady. The 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 Chiefs planned on getting Pat Mahomes, but I don't think if you know they weren't I don't think at the time they were like this is going to be a legendary quarterback who wins four Super Bowls in 5 years or whatever. Like that's so much of it is luck. Um and I, I heard some people, I saw at least one take that was like, you just got to keep tanking until you find your your legendary quarterback. And it was like, but the teams that ended up with the legendary quarterbacks didn't tank to get them. The Patriots. Right, they weren't tank. usually picking one overall. Right, well, that that's just like the, the Patriots didn't tank to get Tom Brady. They had Drew Bledsoe, and they were like, yeah, we're going to win with Drew. And then they eventually went to Tom, and it was like, okay, this is the guy. The Chiefs had Alex Smith, right? Like, they, they had a plan. They were trying to win. You know, it's like, sure, if you're if you're the Bengals and you're bad for so long and you end up with the number one pick and you get Joe Burrow, it's like, great. You know, Andrew Luck's a good example of that, too. But like that wasn't a that wasn't like they didn't go into that season. Oh, the Colts is a bad example, but like the Bengals didn't go into that season trying to lose. They just went into that season really bad. Like they were just a bad team. They didn't set that up. <laughs> that, that's just what happened. <laughs> and I do think it's funny, but I don't know. Like I I. At a certain point as a fan base, you need to just appreciate the process. And and I feel like it's been a, it's been so long for the Saints that you have to be able to appreciate like everyone's like, oh, they're gonna get to the playoffs and lose. But like that's the part that's a part of the process. 
is getting to the playoffs, right? So you shouldn't be disappointed in a season that gets to the playoffs. We, you can't look at this all as an extension of the Drew Brees, Sean Payton era because that, that era is gone. You need to find a winning recipe in the now era. Sure. Um, and that's what I miss. Like, like the Bills showed up to, the, to play the Saints on Thanksgiving in 2021. And that was kind of the beginning of the Bills figuring out, like, oh, crap, we can, we can win a Super Bowl with this team. And, you know, it's kind of like the Lions this year showing up at the Dome. And, like, they're, they're all so excited to watch a winning team, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we're, we're getting to that point where Saints fans uh, are going to start appreciating that again, the way they did probably back in 2006, where it was like, you know, all your expectations were real low and they were exceeded, you know? It's tough. I, I get it. You get that taste of the one Lombardi and now you're spiraled and you want another one. And we've been talking to that forever and it just hasn't happened. Yeah. No. And I mean, it, it, it's, it's frustrating when you kind of get to that point where it's like, you do have to kind of reset the deck a little bit. And that's what happens when you have to move on from a hall of fame quarterback, which is just something that, that happens when you have a hall of fame quarterback at some point, the Chiefs are going to have to move on from Pat Mahomes. And I guarantee you that's not going to be a pleasant process. The Patriots had to move on from Tom Brady. Do you think that's been a pleasant process? No, um, shoot, Bill Belichick's gone for crying out loud. Yeah. The Saints had to move on from Drew Brees and it has gone, you know, realistically speaking, <laughs> you're talking about a team that has gone 500 in the three seasons after losing Tom or losing Drew Brees. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it could have been worse. That's all I'm going to say. The frustrating thing is those two winning seasons were nine and eight and didn't get to the postseason. Right. Uh, but it is funny. It's like you hear people talk about this season like it's been a, like these last three seasons, like they've been an abject disaster. And it, the only way you would consider it that is if like your idea was, oh, we're going to tank and get to the top of the draft and draft a quarterback. And hopefully that quarterback will be the next Tom Brady, but next Drew Brees. But yeah. I got to say, Jeff, even though. You know, it looked it looked disjointed and, you know, unimaginative. This Saints offense still performed pretty well when you look at the stats and points per game. I think they, they were in the top, what, 15 at least, right? And, and points per game in the NFL, which I, I did not expect from this squad at all. You know, that's a, that's a good segue into what, what I want to talk about. So Clint Kubiak and, and Pete Carmichael in one, one area that I think they differed dramatically is, and and this is something that as I was listening back to some of these interviews that Clint did as the offense coordinator of the Vikings, one of the themes that got brought up a lot was this team is very good in the scripted portion of the game, right? The first 15 or however many scripted plays there are, they're very effective to the point that there was this talk, there was talks about, Hey, we want to have a scripted portion coming out of halftime because they were so good in that part of the game that it was like, how do we replicate this as the, as the game goes on? And it was kind of the opposite of what the Saints had this year, which is you were so bad early in games, but you were able to make some adjustments and to find some things that worked later in the game. And that's where a lot of those points, particularly early in the season, points, yards, second half when you were down, like you went into halftime trailing by 10 points and had to make a rally. You know, the game against the Lions, game against the Jaguars, game against the Texans are good examples of that. Um, and so I went through and I, I just wanted to, cause like you'll see opening drive results. We know that the saints only scored one touchdown on an opening drive all season, but it's about more than that. It's about, okay, what was, how about the rest of the scripted portion? Because it's not like you only go with the script for the first drive. If you only get six plays done, 
you're going to come back and you're going to run the rest of that script on the next drive. So I went through and I looked at, okay, how did the Vikings fare on those first 15 plus? Like, so if you started a drive on your 13th play of the game and it finished with a touchdown, I counted that. Um, Whereas sometimes it's like, okay, you got through 14 plays in your first two drives. I'm not necessarily giving the script credit for the next drive. Right. Um, But so you look at it and you say, okay, it's kind of a weird metric because the Vikings, the Vikings in the first 15 in 2021, they had 46 drives, but more drives doesn't necessarily is not necessarily a good thing because that means that maybe you had a ton of three and outs. And so you got more drives out of those first 15 plays or, you know, but the flip side is, Hey, maybe you scored in two plays. And so you got more drives and it's interesting. So they're very similar numbers with one, with one major difference. So the saints had 41 drives at three missed field goals in their first 15 of, of this past season, back to back games, the saints got the ball on their opening offensive drive, drove down the field for a makeable for a 50 something yard field goal. And, uh, it, the Blake Gerby missed another game, their opening drive, <laughs> they drove, this was against the Panthers. They drove down and missed a short field goal. So three opening drives this season ended in a missed field goal for the saints. So it, it's, that's, that's kind of hurting their numbers here. Cause you can see, okay, so they, they had five made field goals on opening drives. The Vikings in 2021 had nine. So that would have been, had you not missed those field goals, which the Vikings only had one, those numbers would be a lot closer. Three turnovers for the Saints. I'm sorry, five turnovers for the Saints. I included turnovers on downs. Three for the Vikings in 2021. 20 punts for the for, for the Vikings, 20 punts for the Saints. But the biggest difference is the Vikings scored 13 touchdowns on, on drives that happened in the first 15 plays of the, of the game, so the scripted portion. The Saints had eight. Now, it might not sound like a crazy amount, but if the saints had scored five more touchdowns this season, they're probably a 10 win team. Like that's, that's the difference between going 10 and seven or maybe 11 and six and winning some of these close games and going nine and eight and losing all of these close games. The other thing that I'll note is in that season, the Vikings, they had nine games where they scored multiple times in their first 15, like, scripted part of their offense. So not only did they score once, they they got the ball back and scored again in that scripted portion. The Saints did that zero times. Um, these numbers for the Vikings also look a little worse than they are because the portion of the season where you probably and you sealed your fate of getting fired was... <laughs> uh, so week 17 and 18, the Vikings... Uh, did not score once in their first 15 and they punted. They punt, they, they had seven possessions, six punts and one turnover on downs. So this was week 17 and 18. Now keep in mind, Sean Mannion was playing quarterback. There was a, some headwinds right. they were flying into, but like if you, you know, when you think about it, they had 13 touchdowns over the first 15 weeks of the season. And so like, that means you are scoring a touchdown in your opening script almost an average of one time per game. So, I mean, that's pretty good, right? And that's if, and if the Saints were able to do that more effectively, more efficiently this season, they win a lot more games. So that's one thing I'm encouraged by as you look at Clint is he is an expert at creating that plan 
that opening plan to get the game started on the right foot. Um, and when you are a team led by a strong defense, getting out to a hot start will mean a lot more wins. So, you know, I have questions about how he adjusts as the game goes on. And I think that that was an issue for him with the Vikings is like we talked about, he wasn't always thinking enough plays ahead. So like being good at scripting the offense isn't, it doesn't mean you're, this isn't the same thing as being good at adjusting on the fly with the offense. Um, but that's kind of where I, I, I'd like to see him improve. But I, I do think that he's kind of a wizard in that way of being able to script things uh, effectively. That's all. Well, I, I like that because wave that wand because, yeah, we've saw plenty of times this season where things just started out so slow and didn't really come around till after the half, honestly. Sometimes second quarter, but after halftime, like all of a sudden the offense would wake up and it felt a little like too little, too late kind of thing. And well, and a lot of times you're playing from behind, you know, and, and when the games that the saints played from ahead this past season, they, they won a lot of those games. You, know, you, you can't look at this past season and say, you know, like, like the 49ers in the Super Bowl, right? They had a 10 point lead in the first quarter. They blew it. That's Kyle Shanahan's calling card is having big leads in the Super Bowl and this team blowing them. One or two is head coach. One is the offensive coordinator for the Falcons in that great 28 to three game that we like to talk about so often. Uh, one, oh, here, here's one thing. In the Super Bowl, they muffed a punt. The 49ers muffed a punt, and it was like the turning point in that game. You, you know that the two players involved, one of them hit off his foot, and the other one tried to pick it up and, and didn't. The player who his the, the ball hit off his foot was number 28, and the player who tried to pick it up and failed was Ray Ray McLeod, number three. Still, can't make that stuff up. Yeah, no, you can't. Still just haunts Shanahan. Yeah. Um, but like you look at the Saints season and there's a lot of things they did wrong and there's a lot of ways that it didn't go well, but you can't, you know, other than that Packers game, which has had a lot more to do with Derek Carr going out with an injury than necessarily blowing a lead. You can't really look at a lot of games where it was like they got ahead and they blew the lead. No, right. It was always, okay. They got behind in the first half. They made a rally and they couldn't get, they couldn't get over the top. So, you know, one of the ways that you can fix that is by scoring earlier in the game and having success in ways that like, and, and I think that when you're talking about an offensive coordinator being creative and understanding how to attack a certain defense, being able to create that plan, that, that, that script, that, that there's a lot to be said for that. And I do think that that was one of the things that Pete struggled with the most this past season. And, and when things were on the fly, when it was kind of just, you know, everything's going around and you're, and you're calling plays and you're adjusting, I think he was good at that. But he wasn't good at creating that kind of creative plan early in games. And so we'll see. You know, the other thing is yeah, uh, the quarterback's coach, Andrew Junoko, is, uh, that's the guy who's supposed to be um, the quarterback's coach for the Saints. He, right. They worked together in Minnesota. Clancy Barone was a guy that Clint Kubiak worked with in Denver previously. And then John Benton, I think they have crossed paths, but I can't recall. He's going to be the offensive line coach. Uh, it's been reported pretty widely. Um, so those are all guys that that I'm interested to, to hear from. Yeah, you were kind of joking about we were waiting to hear, you know, during the podcast, the Saints come out with this formal announcement. Well, we're, we're not the Chargers podcast, so we don't have to go back and, and backtrack. They've sent out their whole list of coaching staff hires for already. So eventually the Saints will do the same and we'll have to catch up. 
Yeah, and so just before we go, there's one other clip from from uh, Clint. This is prior to the the 2021 season with the Vikings. And one thing that I can say is like I do not miss Zoom interviews. These are both Zoom interviews, so he's like wearing headphones and talking to a computer. I just think you don't get very good answers to questions when when you're in that format. Um, but he did. He, this was a really interesting question, and I didn't expect him. That, as I heard the question being asked, I did not expect him to answer it in a way that actually addressed the question, but he did. And I was just like, oh, okay. Uh, and it, it gives me hope that we'll have some coordinator interviews this year with some actual content in them. Because uh, he's asked here kind of, do you want to be insulated as the play caller? You know, something to that extent. So let's listen to it. Clint, you've obviously worked with your dad um, for a long time. And I'm wondering, how insulated do you feel uh, just with the pieces that are around you on the coaching staff? I know Rick Dennison has been part of the, you know, the Kubiak offense for a while. He's called run plays. He's called plays before. How insulated do you feel you'll be as you try this out for the first time? And how insulated do you want to be? Um, you know, I think uh, it is a true blessing to be with Rick and Brian and all the, all the coaches that are coming back. And the more uh, continuity that we have as a staff, certainly the better communicators we can be to our players. Um, you know, to answer your question best is I'm certainly always looking for ways to be uncomfortable. And when I feel insulated, I feel confident in the, the experience and the continuity that I have around me. Um, but uh, I want those guys to challenge me every day. I want KP, Keenan, Rick, Brian, Andrew, I want those guys to challenge me. I want to challenge them so we can get the best out of each other because certainly uh, we're not going to go anywhere standing still and resting on our laurels from years past. Yeah, and and I think that's important. And as you build out this staff, and like I said several times, you know, we don't know exactly who the staff is at the time we're recording this podcast. I expect to hear a, a few more names very, pretty quickly throughout the week. That staff needs to you can't be yes men, right? Like that's why this part, this process is very important because it can't just be uh, guys like, yeah, Clint, you're the man. Let's do this. You know, it's it's got to be guys. Who yeah, like, no, hey, you're a great point. Yeah, you you see something wrong and you fix it. And one of the things that I think is going to be really interesting to see how it develops is I, I don't know if I mentioned this previously, obviously, but uh, Clint Kubiak before he took over as the offense coordinator with the Vikings had spent two years as the quarterback's coach. He knew, he knew Kirk Cousins like the, you know, as well as you can in that role before taking over as the offensive coordinator. That's not the case this year. He's coming in blind, maybe not blind, but he's coming in pretty relatively blind in terms of working with Derek Carr. See, that's going to have to happen fast. It's going to have to happen fast, and you're not going to have the luxury of saying, well, this worked last year. This worked the year before. This is how he likes to, uh, you know, have the offense displayed to him. This is how he likes to go through his reads. This is how he likes to uh, kind of absorb these notes. You're gonna have to learn that in real time, and and that's so it's gonna be, have to be a group effort. And so a guy like Andrew Janoko, who he, he referenced in that interview, he talked to he's like when he said Andrew, that's who he was talking about was Andrew Janoko, the quarterbacks coach. Um, it's it's gonna be a process. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be a fun off season as we kind of develop this, and we'll have more episodes in the coming days, kind of leaning into some of these hires when they're made. But I think that's uh, I don't know. Ho- hopefully, I gave you a decent picture of Clint as yeah. offensive coordinator. And definitely hoping things go smoothly because I'm just waiting for, you know, right off the bat hearing, well, you know, Derek Carr and the rest of the offense are learning a new system, blah, blah, blah. Nobody wants to hear that heading into this season. No, and and I do think, you know, I I, I talked to Tommy Tucker on the air this morning about this. And, 
if, if I'm looking for reasons that, you know, last year you were like, well, okay, learning a new system that took a little while. It wasn't as, as, as finely tuned of a machine as you wanted it to be early in the season. There was also the process of learning the playmakers and, and learning how, how your teammates like to do certain things and learning how they like to run certain routes. Juwan Johnson, I think is a good example of that. I think throughout the season, there were kind of fits and starts where, okay, this isn't, this isn't the way that I'm used to it. This is how you run it and this whole thing. So I think, oh, I don't know if as important as learning the system and being comfortable in the system, being comfortable with your playmakers and being comfortable with how they operate and how they run routes and how they communicate with like a Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, Kendra Miller, Alvin Kamara, Juwan Johnson. I think that's being a step forward in that process is going to help Clint and the new staff install. Um, and that's my hopeful take, but yeah, it, it's going to be very, very frustrating if we get to week six and we're like, Oh, he's just learning. He's still learning. No, can't be that. No. And Dennis Allen definitely doesn't want that either because, uh, I think, you know, obviously going into this season, he's going to be one of those coaches talked about on the hot seat for 2024 as he should be. Um, because, because he is for good reason, but all right, that's going to wrap up this episode of inside black and gold. The first episode of the season three. Uh, we'll be having plenty more. I'd like to get an updated mock draft at you soon, so that'll be something we can get into maybe next week. Where's the champagne? This it's too early for champagne. I, I'm it's post Mardi Gras. I don't need alcohol. And yeah, and <laughs> we're need, trying to detox. Need, need to go for a jog. That's what I need. Let's have a yeah. celebratory season three uh, jogging session. The soft jet. Um, yeah, but all right. Thanks everyone for listening. Who that? Go Saints. Playoffs are bust this year, Jeff, for the pod. That's what we said last year. <laughs> it worked. No, it did. All right, y'all. Be easy. Peace. Later.